Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death. I'm the girlfriend, Cindy. With me, as always, is Josh. Hello. Hey. Uh, we are your favorite podcast that reviews random horror movies that my boyfriend uses to try and kill me. Uh, this month, we do it thematically, and this month is Josh's birthday. We're doing uh, fantasy, horror. Yeah. Uh, last week, we did The Company of Wolves. A Company of Wolves. The Company, the of, company wolves. of Wolves. Whatever. Uh, and this week, we're doing... City of Lost Children. City of Lost Children. All right, this movie. Tell me about this movie. Oh, I when did it come say out? So many French names this week. It's going to be. A oh, I can actually help you with that. <laughs> I, I can't help with uh, any other language, but I got to it there. Got you there. Uh, this movie was released in its native France on May seventeenth, nineteen ninety five. Okay. And was released in the United States on December fifteenth of the same year. 1995. All right, 95. I was uh, 15, December 95. I was turning 16. Uh, my aunt threw me a surprise sweet 16 at the local buffet. <laughs> it was very sweet. Like pizza buffet? Um, more like a golden corral. But it was the '90s, so it was like a not. It was like a mom and pop shop place. Oh, uh, like a Ryan's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was very sweet. Ponderosa. It was very sweet. That's what we had. And, uh, and Ryan's. I will always remember my very best girlfriend at the time, Wendy DeMarco. Uh, I had a crush on some guy and she tried real hard to get him to come as like a surprise. Like, oh, hey, I didn't get your birthday present, but I got this cute boy to be here. Nice. It didn't happen. Probably for the best. I was 13. Okay. I don't remember. You were much. not that cute boy. Sorry. Hanging out in Payton City. Yeah. Living that. In that life, that Woo-woo. small town life. Same, just not in Payton City, baby. Uh, the world of 1995. Okay. Saw sarin gas attacks on the Tokyo subway by Whoa. a cult. Oh, okay. Yeah. I forget, uh, like um Shinriko or something. It like wasn't that. like the the moon. Okay. It was a uh, it was a like a shitty cult. Group. Yeah. Sarin gas like uh, Tokyo subways. Terrific. Mike Tyson was released from prison. Following uh, rape or domestic battery, which one? Both. I think both. I think it was both. I don't remember. Great guy, Michael. Don't uh, sue Mike, me Tyson. Mike Tyson. Don't sue me, Mike Tyson. You can sue me all you want, brother. Let's bring uh, this on. The Oklahoma City bombing happened that year. God damn. Yeah. Hey, Windows ninety five was released. Hey, flying remember, toasters. Do you remember Windows three point one? No. I remember Windows 3.1. I remember... Uh, it was awful. I remember Microsoft <laughs> Office 95, though. I remember I, that I, sweet. I remember using Windows 95, and I was like, this is so much better than <laughs> what they were doing before. Uh, eBay was founded that year. Cool. The first uh, PlayStation was released. What? what? <laughs> More on that in a minute. Just a moment. The O.J. Simpson trial occurred. Excellent. Man. So, we've mentioned this before. I got to watch a ton of the O.J. Simpson trial. Yeah. Because I had a health, a health class. And, he, and your and teacher was just obsessed with just it. turn it on and let us watch it and count it as our grade. Uh, the only thing I really remember was that um, the I was in home economics and when they were going to read the, the verdict. And I remember that they held the bell. So until the verdict was read 
And then they rang the bell. Yeah. <laughs> like, you th- weirdly thanks? really gave a shit about O.J. Simpson. Uh, I don't understand whatever. why. Whatever. I mean, I guess they were big Naked Gun fans. Yeah, Nordberg. Loved yeah. him. Uh, <laughs> Operation Desert Storm ended in 1995, officially. Yeah, uh, I, people that I call bullshit on that, but go ahead. Born that year. <laughs> okay. Born that year, 1995. If you're a person who hates modern culture if you look if you have a teenager right now and you're like everything they like is fucking stupid you which can is blame 1995 for that why is that people that were born in 1995 post malone dua lipa chief keef doja cat and kendall jenner those are some of my 15 year olds favorite people exactly yeah um so i'm saying like if you're like this music is dumb yeah but in 1995 if i recall we were listening to like i believe hole had their that big album and nirvana <laughs> like we were listening to some pretty crazy stuff if you compare it to what our parents were listening to i mean fair i mean I, i'm not saying i dislike these people it's just radically I, okay, different i will say this i dislike kendall jenner well yeah everybody does just point of fact my favorite thing that is ever, that the tall skinny one or is that the one who had a baby at like 13 a billionaire because people were like she should be a billionaire and they did all that money to her you know the best thing ever no happened? that's kylie kylie is the one who had the fake lip injections and got pregnant at like 13 kendall's the tall skinny one okay whatever i think yeah you know the best thing that ever happened with a jenner i think what i think it was kendall was, was bringing kylie? awareness I think it was to kylie jenner no, do you remember when she did that commercial for Pepsi? <laughs> that was Kendall. Yeah, yeah. She's like, she I bring that peace Pepsi to the that, world. Yeah, that cop and whatnot. Okay, well, there was a riot in Portland <laughs> right after that, yeah. and they brought cases of Pepsi and just chucked them at the cops. Good God, I don't agree <laughs> with that, Josh. <laughs> because you know, bringing peace. Oh my God, <laughs> that's my favorite thing about the Jenners. Oh my God, uh, people, <laughs> people that died that year. Donald Pleasance, boo. Yeah. Man. People I wish I could have met. Donald Dr. Pleasant. Dr. Loomis. Yeah. Let's see. Easy e died that year. Jerry Garcia. Oh, God, yeah. I weirdly remember exactly where I was when Jerry Garcia died. Because I remember, like, it was a big deal to my dad. I... My uncle. In my... I have a... I kept, like, a scrapbook as a teenager of just, like, random shit. Like, I don't think there's any, like... This is stuff I did. I think it's just a bunch of random shit that I had. And I know that Jerry Garcia's, um, the announcement of his death is in that. Because that was kind of a, it was a big deal in our little, little world. Yeah. It, I, I remember like, I was at my uncle's house in New Jersey. Yeah, New my Jersey. aunts and uncles are big. Um, yeah, Grateful Dead and that type of music. Yeah, jam bands. Uh, also, Mickey Mantle and Dean Martin. You want to talk about the Ohio Valley mourning a loss. Let's talk about Dean Martin. Yeah. Uh, he was like your Frank Sinatra? He was like, you know how Frank Sinatra was from Hoboken? Yeah, New Jersey. Yeah. Dean Martin. Dean was... Martin was from the Ohio Valley. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's, he was your Frank Sinatra. There's like a there's like a Dean Martin wall in his hometown. Like, nice. thing. So people people were pretty upset. With Someday him. I'll take you to Frank Sinatra's birth ta- or birthplace. And, <laughs> and you can laugh at how there's a wall. Yeah. Like it, they tried to do, if I remember correctly, uh, his little area where he grew up in Hoboken. They tried to make almost like uh, Mount Airy, how it's like the whole town is dedicated to Andy Griffith. 
like they've tried to make Hoboken or that area, which is a suburb, uh, like all Frank. I don't, I don't think it went over too well, but yeah. Yeah, well, there's like shit there to do. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you're across, you're across over from like New York City. Yep. Mount Airy, you're there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> there's like Pilot Mountain. That's about there's, it. There's like nothing. Yeah. So the city of the city of lost children. Ah, this, this, this 1995 gem. French gem. Yeah. So this movie's rated R. Uh, it is longer than we've been doing lately. Okay. It We're is already a red flag. One hour and 52 minutes okay. long. Okay. That's not too bad. Yeah, it's not. It's not over the two hour mark. No. Uh, I try not to do a lot of those. Thank you. But, okay. This movie is interesting in the fact that it has two directors. Would you like me to read the names? No, I, I'll say them, okay. and then you can hilariously correct me Okay. if I get them wildly wrong. So it is co-written and co-directed by Mark Caro. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see it, so I don't know if that's, if that's correct. It's C-A-R-O. Oh, yeah, Caro. Like yeah. Caro syrup. Uh, as a team, they had done delicat- Delicatessen, right, before this. Okay. And after this... Cairo would go on to do a movie called Dante 01, and he was also a production designer. And that's important because this movie is all about the production design. Okay, cool. The design of this movie is fucking insane. Okay. So, the second and probably more, I'm not going to say probably, definitely better known of the duo is Jean-Pierre Jeunet. Okay. um, Who also co-directed Delicatessen and would then go on to direct... Alien Resurrection, Micmacs, and Amelie. Oh, I like Amelie. Yeah. Was Delicatessen a very big movie? I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know it what that was, movie is. It was a pretty big movie. Okay. Yeah, it's a dark comedy. Okay. It's, it's a pretty good movie, too. Definitely, they were like a directing team, and after this, they kind of went their separate ways. With Junet definitely having the bigger career after this. Okay. Um, so they co-wrote it with... Giles Adrian, okay, who also co-wrote Delicatessen with them. Now, normally we then go from that into the stars of the movie, but there's two other members of the crew I want to give a shout out to. All right, shout them out. Who we got? So the cinematography in this movie is done by Darius Kanji. Darius Kanji has done a ton of fucking movies. He did Delicatessen with them before he did this. He also shot Seven, like David Fincher oh, Seven. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he also shot uh, Uncut Gems a couple years ago with Adam Sandler. <laughs> okay. Like, his style is great. And a lot I'm, of flashy. I like looking at his work. Cool. Um, and then the composer, Angelo Badalamenti. I'm sorry, everyone should know that name because... From Blue Velvet on, he scored every David Lynch movie, including Twin Peaks. Oh, there you go. The show and the movie. Okay. Like, and he also plays a part in Mulholland Drive. He's the exec that comes and they make the coffee and he spits it out. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. We were told it was good coffee. Okay. <laughs> Angela Battle That's weirdly him. So there you go. Uh, also, the costumes... A lot of the materials for the costumes, and they were partially designed by um, Jean-Paul Gaultier. Ooh, fancy. Just so you... It's going to be pretty. No. This movie is good to look at. Okay. All right, let's get on to the cast. 
Leading our cast in our lead role is Ron Perlman. Okay. We all know him from Hellboy. And... Yeah, plays a character named One. Okay. One. One. All right. Uh, like you said, Hellboy, Beauty and the Beast, Drive. The TV show Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Literally tons of shit. Like, Ron Perlman just pops up everywhere. Yeah. He's no Danny Trejo, but he's no slouch either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Daniel Emilfort plays a character named Crank. Judith Vettet plays Miette. And Dominique Pignon plays... I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name. Okay. Um, show it to me or just skip it? That's fine. Let's go. We'll skip it. Uh, he's an alien resurrection and Amelie. And he's he's a face you're going to recognize. You're going right. to be like, oh, I've seen him and stuff before. That's um, how most of it goes. If you remember back when we were talking about 1995 and what happened that year, mm-hmm. I said, hey, the PlayStation 1 came out. Mm-hmm. We're on that in a minute. So let's loop back to that. This movie has a PlayStation game. Oh, cool. <laughs> one of the Was it one of the first other than like Madden, I'm sure? It, it was like when they were trying to do movie tie-ins and they weirdly fucking chose this movie. This is one of the last movies you would think of. Like, oh, there's like... The way that the way like with Purge, we're like, how is this not a movie yet? Yeah, it's going to be the opposite. How is this a a game? Who would have thought? Man, we should really. People want to play. Yeah, City of Lost Children. (laughs) No, he didn't. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Well, was it successful? (laughs) The game was not. It wasn't good either. Ah, it's just fucking weird that there's a PlayStation game of this movie. Yeah, yeah, Uh, especially when. I show you this poster. All right. Well, this is the part of the program where Josh shows me an original poster of the movie, and I try to predict what the movie is going to be about, give you some clues into meaning. All right. Here we go. Boom. Okay. Okay. Well, there's a man with uh, electrodes from the 20s on his head looking off to the side. Okay, I'm going to say this is a movie about a guy who steals children to perform experiments on them. Well, let's see how right you are. Oh, you're not going to tell me how close. Okay. <laughs> I, will I say, got uh, last week's pretty close. I, yeah. yeah. Um, the poster last week, too, was also like... It had a lot. Very paint by numbers. Yeah. Like, it had a lot of hints on it. It was like a comic book. Panel. This is just a man's profile. Uh, so this movie is... Streaming for free. Cool. On HBO Max, if you have that. We do. And it's also on Amazon, but you probably got to pay like three ninety nine for it. But I will, a word of warning to people. This is a French movie. Ron Perlman is going to speak in French. Oh. Ron Perlman, well, I'll save that because I don't want to ruin it. But don't watch the dubbed version because it's not very good. Okay, definitely watch the subtitles. Right. That's kind of how it, like, that's the norm when watching an international film. Yeah. Just watch the subtitles. Like, I know it. sometimes you're like, ah, oh, but it's like a Bruce Lee movie. It's fun. I want to watch it with dubbing. Or like Godzilla. Oh, that's the way I watched it when I was a kid. I like the dubbing. Don't, please don't watch this dubbed. It's not. Not worth It's not it. the same experience. Okay. So, do yourself a favor and read. <laughs> <laughs> read, watch. Okay. Well, we're off to watch this movie. Join us, won't you? Uh, Mind the doors. Sleep, my little one. Sleep. I am the Sandman, and you can't resist me. Your eyelids are so heavy. 
City of Lost Children. Oon. I like that. Oon. <laughs> Oon. I liked his uh, weird red hair. Uh, I like this movie. What did everybody think? What did? What was your takeaway, Josh? You I, were worried that this wouldn't hold up. Well, I enjoyed this. It was as good as I remembered it being. Okay. I'm sure there's going to be someone who's like, not horror. There's some unsettling There's definitely some unsettling Oh, goodness. The eye image freaked me out. I don't like that. Yeah, just because it's a cutesy pie style of filmmaking that goes back. It's what most kids today would recognize through, like, Wes Anderson. Uh, well, it no. I would say more, um, this reminded me a lot of, like, James and the Giant Peach. And it, it's more almost like Tim like very very low 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 Tim Burton. I can see like early Tim Burton. Yeah, I definitely I saw what was the movie that we saw the alien and it was on the island with the water around it. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, no. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Hang on, let me go look. I'm looking in our archive. The alien. It was it was a spaceship around it, and they replicated a planet. Oh, uh, Dark City. Yeah, this reminded me a lot of Dark City. Sorry. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of Dark City. Dark, Dark City was very like Francophile. Mm-hmm. It had a very French style it, and look to yeah. it. Yeah, this was um, a very French. When people are like, I don't like French art movies. Yeah, they're like yeah, this is this is a French art movie, but I really liked I, it. This, Surprise! Like there's so like these delicate little touches. That's what reminded me yeah. of the Wes Anderson style because he's like the purveyor of that. Like those little delicate like, um, this movie felt like 
if Wes Anderson had made Dark City. Okay. Right? Like that. This is his take on it. Merged. Mm-hmm. But this is older, like Caro and Jenny older than Wes Anderson's career. And okay. that style goes back a little earlier than Anderson. I um, This came out in 95. I think 96-ish was Bottle Rocket. So their style... And they're not the first people. I just Wes right. Anderson's kind of the purveyor, and just like Tim Burton's that like cotton candy goth mm-hmm. look that he's known for. I, uh, I this movie, and it also had a lot of Brazil in it as well. Yeah, um, definitely a ton of Brazil, a little bit of Twelve Dirty Monkeys. Gilliam. I love you, Terry Gilliam. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's. See. That, I just kind of saw all that stuff in there. Um, I liked it. I thought it was a very interesting movie. Could it, you recount the plot of this movie? A in a it, it, in a steampunk world, okay. a scientist is using young children to try and take their dreams because he's never had one and all hell breaks loose when they kidnap the wrong kid like the wrong person's kid you know i like your setup uh how about a scientist in a surreal society kidnaps children i like my steampunk society but okay yeah hoping that they slow his aging process I don't think that was as clear. I don't think the aging process. No, it's definitely. That's why he's doing it, because he wants to be young like the children. Um, which is why the ending where he takes, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. her youth and becomes a child. And she oh. becomes old. And then he gets trapped in that loop in that crazy ending. Gotcha. It's all about like stealing their dreams so he can feed off that vitality right because not having dreams aged him so rapidly and yeah yeah very crazy i remember um rob delaney who's you know he became twitter god and he had that real funny uh part in deadpool uh (laughs) rob delaney um where is i going with this Uh uh-oh what were we talking about before that I got lost up in trying to remember Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to being with me. Um, okay, we were discussing this movie mm-hmm. and dreams. Being oh, used. yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Rob Delaney has a stand-up where he um, got a hepatitis A, I think. And one of the side effects, like you, you will survive hepatitis, but um, you don't dream. And it's like like you have to be in a hospital because you will go crazy if you don't dream. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I think I knew that thanks to Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, well, and he's, I mean, he said, he was like, it was, you know, your skin kind of turns yellow and these things and these things. Like, But the worst is that you don't go to bed and you don't dream and you know you don't. Like you wake up and something's wrong. And I thought, oh. Like ever again? No, just for like that time. Yeah. And it was like, oh, what a, right? But I I thought of that uh, when he was trying to explain why he had aged so much faster than everyone else uh, around him. Fair. Yeah. (laughs) That's something I wouldn't even thought of unless you'd brought up. But yeah, I could see that. 
And that, yeah, isn't that crazy? See, there was a point to my madness. I just there usually is. I, I just mean, uh, was trying to remember Deadpool, and then I was trying to not laugh because that's one of my favorite characters in all cinematic history. Um, fair. <laughs> this movie, I really like it, but it also makes me sad on one level because I look at this movie and it's kind of like a capitalist future. Okay. Right? The concept of Everything in this movie has a price. Has been commoditized, mm-hmm. including children's dreams and their innocence. Yes, that's kind of a currency that a whole group of people traffic in. Yeah, this right. these weird um, j- joined at the hip, <clears throat> literally conjoined sisters. Um, it, that's what they're like. They they yeah. they're kind of the Fagin of this little Oliver Twist group of <laughs> of homeless kids. Yeah, and there's definitely a thing in this movie, there's like a line where all of the children are afraid of or hate the adults. Right. And the only person that could go back and forth is Ron Perlman's character, one. And it's because he has that childlike wonder and innocence. Right, so I think I think he didn't, I think he listened to Robert Downey Jr. in the future. He didn't go full, <clears throat> if you know what I mean. Well, there's a, I think he's supposed to be slow. There's a reason they dumbed the character down. Okay, why... And his dialogue was... Because he couldn't speak French. He couldn't French. speak French at all. Like, he kept saying one rather than un. Yeah, like they... I noticed that a few times. Had him deliver his lines phonetically. <laughs> he could not speak French at all. What he Like did two or three times. So his name is is one. And in French it's pronounced un. And a few times, because he calls himself one, like little sister of one or one's little sister and he, he un, <laughs> le, la petit petit le un, and it was petit sir poor un or no poor one and he just kept calling referring to himself as one and i kind of had to stop and go oh dude like kind of everyone around the world answers the phone and goes like some form of hello in French, it's hello, like same sort of a thing. And I thought, oh, do they just say like, does one sometimes sound like un one? Like, no, no, it does not. No, that is not. That is, yeah, it is a character that they really, really wanted Ron Perlman he, to play. Yes, but he, he could not speak French. <laughs> he, I get why they chose him. Physically, he was the perfect. Yes. He kind of had that. He has like that big for that big brow kind of a look of of a not real intelligent big dumb person kind of a thing, and yet you know and he was very trim and fit. And he also like Ron Perlman has this way, and he's one of the few people I think that can do this. You can watch him in one thing and he is terrifying, right? And then you flip it around, and then and something else you love him. Like mm-hmm. he could be so welcoming at the same time. Yeah, he does a good. And I think for a character who has to be a baddie for a moment in the movie when he's been like poisoned by that flea yeah. serum. That was a nice exchange. I just like, <laughs> I can't imagine anyone else playing this role. Yeah. Other I, than Ron Perlman. And it seems so odd to say because it's like, he couldn't speak French. Right. <laughs> in a French film. Yeah. And, but he killed it. He, he did. And I don't know what that says. If that goes towards his, uh, acting ability, if he's just that good of an actor or if that is good casting and directing, like knowing like that's the guy, this is the look I'm going for. This is what I want. I think it's a combination of those things and charisma. 
Yeah, that might because be. Because even in a movie where he's clearly, like, now that you know... Because I didn't want to say that before you watch the movie to, for it to color your... Like, he doesn't know anything, right? <laughs> he really <laughs> um, didn't. But... It was adorable. He just... It is such... He puts you at ease. And that's what I like about Ron Yeah. Cohen, especially in this movie. But there's a... The commodity thing is... Every older person... Mm-hmm. In this movie is driven by something involving the use of children. Yes. Ron Perlman is trying to save his younger brother. Yep. What, and what, now, what was the little brother's name? Uh, it was something wild, too. Yeah. Okay. Da, uh, Donry. Uh, yeah. Denry. And he went, Denry! And I went, did they, he mean to say Henri? And he just, okay. His yeah. name is Dunry. Okay. I, I love That's it. That's not Whatever. a name. Um it's a character named one. Um, I mean, yeah. But it, it, in the grand scheme of things, it yeah. doesn't really matter. So he needs children to help him find his younger brother. So right. he needs them to do Who's a service for him. Right. Our and main, he's um, a sideshow act. He's a strong, yeah, he's man. strong man. Our main baddie needs children to steal their dreams to stall in versus aging. Right. Right. The conjoined sisters need children to commit crimes and steal for them. Right. Every every main character is using these children for something. Yes. And their uh, motivations are different. You and know, I don't think that the, tw- the twins are out to kill the kids nope. necessarily. They're just exploiting them. Yeah. Like worker, like a capitalist system. It, it, it's almost like they're, um, it's like a pimp hooker situation. Because they even say like, well, you know, we won't always be there to protect you and... Yeah. That, that's kind of almost how they see themselves. Now, this movie, I mean... It, what, okay, let me ask you. Go what, ahead. What, if you've got a character who's exploiting their nature mm-hmm. as children, right? Which is Ron Perlman. Uh, someone exploiting their bodies. No, Ron Perlman's not exploiting their... He He's using their good nature when he goes to meet them originally, right? Oh, yeah, because... So okay, yeah, um, yeah, I see what you're saying. But then the baddies... The twins are exploiting their bodies, mm-hmm. the children's bodies, because they're little and they crimes can... and whatnot. Right. Right, exactly. But then our baddie, our main bad, um, our Big dream bad. thief, he's exploiting their minds yes. and their spirit. Yeah. So it, it it's so sad. It really comes down to, you know, which one's worse. And I think mind and spirit is worse. I like body, but they're both pretty fucking awful. And that's I think that's kind of the crux of the movie. Is, you know, there's no parents mentioned ever. It's never really explained that they're orphans or not. Well, she, the, the, the twin sisters say there's no shortage of orphans. Right. So it, it is like kind of this dystopian future of unwanted children. And like, well, what else are we going to do with them? Like, there's so many of them, might as well. And like, this is how they become capitalized. Yeah. And so all of the adults are using the children for something. Yeah. Mostly to recapture either their glory or their youth in some way, right? Like, mm-hmm. I want to physically steal your dreams and then use that to de-age myself. I want to return to a lifestyle I had before where right. I'll have more money. And Which so is what I think the twins yeah. are up to. So everyone in this movie that's an adult is looking backwards at their youth through rose-colored glasses. But to do that, they're exploiting and ruining the youth of the children Correct. now. Which yeah. I think... At the cost of what? Is something that's been going on my entire life. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Right? Like, there's always this thing of... 
the generation in charge, which is now kind of still boomers in a way, but also us, right, and Gen yeah. X, are packaging and reselling their youth, right? Like, mm-hmm. when I was a kid in the 90s, there was a big 70s boom. Yep. Like everyone loved shit from the 70s. 70s it's, was yeah, the retro mood decade. rings and the whole, yeah, that yeah. was the whole thing. Now it's the 80s, so we're... It, it's capitalism. It's constantly repackaging yeah. your memories and your childhood and trying to sell it again. Yep. I say this to you on the cusp of the release of another He-Man TV show on Netflix. Yeah. Like, we are always trying to repackage and resell our childhood because... Yeah, you just want to relive those days, for sure. We think that's the best time of our lives. Right. Like, that's why the boomers wanted everything to go back to, like, the 50s. Because everything was so perfect. And it's like, no, man, back up a generation. You'll see the alcoholism, the child abuse, the sex trafficking. Everyone everyone wants to go back to the 80s. Yeah. Uh, It wasn't all that great. Reagan, you don't want to go back to that. You want to go back to the pop culture of the 80s. Is there, like, a lot of trivia about this? Is there a lot known about Um, this? There's a fair amount about this movie, but it's not like there's reams and reams and reams. Okay. So we did talk about... Ron Perlman not being able to speak French. (laughs) It was more enduring than anything. So to achieve the color scheme they used, how it was off, the actors were made up in whiteface. And then the color palette was corrected until they were flesh-toned. Okay, made, it made him really washed which out. Which made everything seem super off in the movie. Yes, I definitely noticed that. that. I think that's what I'm, like, it gave that Dark City vibe. Yeah. I feel like this is the French uh, Mad Max. Like, it's in the same universe as Mad Max, where it's just the This is what's happening over future, there. But it's the French version. They have an overload, an overabundance of water, but they've shut down boundaries with the Yeah, and then, you know, you get a, a dream thief and all yeah. this stuff. Meanwhile, in, like, the same universe in Australia, it's just a desert and people are just yeah. having shootouts on the highway. Yeah. It, it, everything is tracking. Continue. Yeah, I choose to believe that these are in the same universe. Yep. Um, <laughs> That's fair. So the octopus, uh, the conjoined twins, were joined at the leg by a boot, right? A prosthetic leg boot thing. Okay. That makes um, sense. And they couldn't walk in it because they actually really yeah, are they, people. They were just twins. twins. Yeah. So none, all of their scenes, they're standing still. Yes. Like they're not walking in anything. I just assumed even if they were conjoined, it's probably not easy to move around. But yeah. So when they set about designing the costumes with the costume designer and then um, Jean-Paul Gaultier, mm. he was showing them like the linens and like basically some of the fabric he was planning on using. And the director was like, that's nice. I cannot afford that. <laughs> um, we are a, not a huge budget movie. And Jean-Paul Gaultier was like, oh, no, th- this is on me. Like, Oh, that was nice. So, yeah, he contributed. There, there were... What pops of color there were, you could tell, were chosen very carefully. Mm-hmm. This was the opening film at the 1995 Cannes Film Festival. Does it have a big following? Was it a hit this in movie, France? Yeah, this movie okay. was fairly big. I won't say like enormous here, but it had like a, a cult following here. Enough to have a video game. Yeah, there was a PlayStation <laughs> game. That's wild. That yeah. Also... We talked about it on the front half. Speaking of video games, Mm -hmm. this movie is kind of the inspiration for um, kind of the look of the video game series Bioshock, at least the first two. I wouldn't know, but okay. It's an underwater world. It's like a first-person shooter. They took style elements for the Bioshock games. Clearly, I think, from this movie, including like a little girl. Oh, 
Okay. A giant hulking thing. Oh. But that's a whole thing. Um. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, Ron Perlman has said in interviews that the hardest thing he's ever had to do in his acting career... Was speak French? Was whenever he had to attack oh. Mia and, like, slap her. Like, yeah. He was like, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in a movie. Like, Yeah, because he, I mean, he... I didn't care for that. <laughs> he, he if, if he did not actually hit her... Uh, even if he did it lightly, but he, he, she put, she played it off real well like he did. Man, she sold that. Yeah. I uh, I really like this movie. I I'm did too. Um, I th- and it fits the Arkov method. So if we're going by the acronym used by Samuel Zarkov based on his name to create a terrific movie, A being action. Yes, there's a lot of action in this movie, a lot of running. And a lot of it is, I think we talked about it in the front half, it's... Um, a lot of different like angles. There's a lot of like cut and you know different ways that scenes are set up. Um, that kind of gives it an action feel. We've got. Uh, I was gonna say action wise, I love the scene with the uh, the nightmare that escapes. The yeah. green mist that works its way around. The greens in this movie really pop. Yes. Like, just throwing out there like the water, the poisoned water. Ron Perlman's pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Uh, revolutionary. I don't know how you don't say yes to this. Yes, this was definitely a revolutionary. <laughs> this fucking movie. Or, uh, or Tori. One. We have, I think by the fact how much we've talked about. One. Ron Perlman's dialogue, we kind of have to say yes. I guess, yeah. Right? Like. Yeah. You gave a whole thing about Un in One. One. <laughs> Yet. Uh, yet. It's a little girl's name. And then uh, fantasy and fornication. Yes, this is definitely fantastical and it's fantasy elements. Um, and then for fornication, there is full frontal nudity three times. It's kind of all at once. Do you remember when it is, Josh? Oh, when was Do it? you know? When was it? I noticed it only because I said, oh, we got, that's for the archive. We got it. Uh, at one point... Uh, there's like this weird Rube Goldberg kind of thing that happens, and uh, a brothel. The a firework oh, goes into the brothel, yeah, and all the all the fr- all the old timey French whores come running out. Yep, and I went, oh, there you go, we got it. <laughs> there were two full frontal and one just boobs. So there you go. I'll take it. It was the yeah, it was the. F- Mice being blown into the back of the building. Yeah, that was it. With the uh, the wa- the water from the fire the fire hydrant. Yeah. So would you see this movie again, Josh? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Okay. I enjoyed, I enjoyed it greatly. Uh, I would watch this with the. Uh, I think the seventy five year old would like it. She is not a big fan of subtitles, but she's getting there. If she um, and then she kind of does have a little bit. Of background, once uh, of French, you know what I mean? Like, not enough that she can talk, but I think because even I started to by the end of the movie, I was like, oh, like you can, you understand what's happening, whatever. Uh, language is funny. I don't think the kids would be interested. I think that this is dark and creepy enough and gothic enough that the 11 year old would be spooked, and it's slow paced enough that the, uh, and it's a foreign film that the 15 year old wouldn't care. I don't know. Um, I, I think the elements of what it's about would turn the uh, older one off. Okay. I don't think the pacing, and I don't think the language, because his favorite movie is Midsummer, which is he does partially Guys. Swedish. It is very long. My oldest son's favorite 
movie. And I don't mean like, oh, yeah, like if I had to pick, I guess that'd be my favorite. I mean, he has posters in his room. He he watches it. Uh, he used to watch it about once a week. I think he's tapered off. Uh, it is his midsummer. He loves it. Loves it. Loves it. Yeah. Um, what does that say about my parenting? He watches it a lot. <laughs> um, What's that say? Yeah. And, yeah. And it's not even like it's so bad. It's just it's so long. Like it is. It's like two and a, like two hours and forty minutes. I think it's so long. He's the opposite like, of me. I'm just gonna do this right now. You know what his second favorite horror movie is? I think this one's more disturbing. What's the second? I don't know. What's his second um, one? The Invitation. <laughs> oh, you guys watched that. I'm trying to... I was like, when Man, did you see that? He loved the shit out of The Invitation. You showed him that. That speaks a lot about my parenting skills. Because <laughs> I just sat down and watched The Invitation. There were times when... With a 15-year-old child. <laughs> there were times when uh, I would be walking through the room and I, both of them would go no 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 not now not now not now not now you want to wait on this don't come in yet mom and i thought yeah, oh I mean, okay like here we go it's so you could watch it basically twice in the time it would watch midsummer, it would watch midsummer. he um, loved it well, all right well what are we watching next week as we continue uh, with fantasies and horror fantasies so peek behind the curtain uh, i'm leaving tomorrow for two weeks in wisconsin so, boo, boo. But as of right now, uh, the plan is for this will come out the second week that I'm gone. And when I get back, we're probably going to watch Before I Wake, which is a Netflix exclusive. Ooh. Uh, directed by Mike Flanagan. But that may change. And if it does, we'll let you know. But right now, that's the plan. Okay. Sounds like a plan, dear. All right. Well, I'm going to miss you while you're gone, but uh, I have to edit all these podcasts, so uh, I just got these, I got your sweet tones in my ears whenever I need them. (laughs) Yay. Railing about capitalism. (laughs) Yeah, that's on par. All right. Well, until next time. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy, and I'm still his girlfriend. Yay.